last week, we looked at uh, the, the record of events of Noah's flood, and we decided that it clearly presents this detailed account of how God flooded the earth, in which he, out of his judgment, killed every land-dwelling, air-breathing animal that wasn't on the ark. So as we walked through it last week, if you can remember all the way back to last Sunday, I know that's hard. We've slept since then. What led us to conclude that the account we read in Genesis wasn't a fairy tale, but is in fact historical record? What's that? Dates. Yeah, there were specific dates. What else? What'd you say, Robert? Specific individuals are, are mentioned, absolutely. What else? I mean, that's pretty much it, so. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not asking for, for you know, hidden answers or anything like that. Yeah, we, we looked at all the details of the historical event. You know, fairy tales don't have that. Fairy tales are once upon a time, and you know, here's this crazy thing that happened it doesn't read at all like a fairy tale or a mythical legend. It reads very much like a true historical account of what went down. And then at the very end, uh, we started talking about a, a specific topic that you spent some time uh, talking about and thinking about over your homework, that the events surrounding the ark and salvation found in the ark were similar to the salvation found in Christ, that you know, we call that, those connections uh, types, that the ark is a type of Christ. It's typology. So the ark can be understood as kind of pointing us forward towards Christ. What were some of the similarities that you saw in the text between salvation in the ark for them and salvation in Christ for us? What were some that you came up with? The door, yeah. Yeah, so they walk through the door. God shuts the door. John 10, Jesus says, I am the door. You can't get into the, the sheepfold any other way. It, it has to be through me. Yeah, what else? Trust, yeah, they, they had to, to trust that what God said was true, that it really is gonna rain. He it really is gonna judge the earth with a flood and they have to go into the ark to be saved and if they don't trust that, they're gonna die. So God has promised 2 Peter 3, to flood the earth again, this time with fire. And it's coming. And if we don't trust in Christ, we will perish in it. He is, we have to trust that what he says is true and will come to pass. And they had to wait longer than our lifetime for God's word to come true. It's 120 years. So the promises God make, his timetable is different than yours and mine, isn't it? Isn't that frustrating? Don't you hate that? Yeah, she wanted to just throw something at times. Like, for crying out loud, just do this now. You know, again, the Psalm 7 for today that we're, we're preaching on, the, you know, this idea of vindication uh, you know, against slander. It's like, I, I want this right now. God break the teeth of the wicked today and possibly like on video so that I can see it uh, because that will make me feel better. Uh, but God's, God's timetable is vastly different than ours. He will wait thousands of years to fulfill a promise. All the while we've lived and died, not having seen it come to fruition, which is why uh, Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because you're not gonna see in your lifetime everything that God has promised you, and that's okay. Doesn't matter. Sight isn't what we're safe by. It's faith in him. So today, 
we're going to look at the extent of the flood from another angle. So last week we talked every air-breathing land animal, human beings, all of that, that were not in the ark, they perished in the flood. That's abundantly clear from the text. So if, if every air-breathing land animal and every human being, except for those eight on the ark, on the face of the earth died, how much of the land was covered by water? All of it. Yeah, key word, all, all of it. So we're going to do that, and we're going to look at a few selected verses from the passage that you skimmed last week, Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. We're going to read a few of those to help us understand how extensive the flood really was. Did it really cover the entire surface of the earth, or was it a local flood? Again, this is one of those debated points by skeptics, so we'll, we'll talk about not all of their views. We're simply going to go to the text. It's our authority. What does the text say about the flood? So follow along with me. Let's go to Genesis 6. Again, you have on your handout, we're going to skip through uh, some of these verses. We'll read verse 7. And Yahweh said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I regret that I've made them. Skip down to verse 11 of chapter 6. Now the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Skip down to verse 17. As for me, behold, I'm bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall breathe its last. Chapter 7, verse 4. For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. Let's get down to chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on this day, all the fountains of the great deep split open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. Then the rain came upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Skip to chapter 7, verse 17. Then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days and the water multiplied and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. And the water prevailed and multiplied greatly upon the earth, and the ark went on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains under all the heavens were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh that moved on the earth breathed its last. That is birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, as well as all mankind all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life of all that was on the dry land died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land from man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky and they were blotted out from the earth and only Noah remained and those that were with him in the ark. And the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Chapter eight, verse one. Then God remembered Noah, not because he had forgotten him, it's just a way to say God then rises back to action. 
And all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark, and God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. Also the fountains, the deep, and the floodgates of the sky were closed, and the rain from the sky was restrained. So let's ask some questions of the text, texts that we've just read. What are some of the repeated words that showed up in a lot of those verses? All, every, yeah, whole, the whole earth, the whole heavens, a lot of all-encompassing words that continue to be repeated. Remember, what's repeated is important. Look through for what's repeated. Corrupt, yeah, that one's repeated too. The whole earth, three times in one verse, actually. Everything is corrupt because mankind has corrupted themselves. Uh, Were there any figures of speech in the text? Huh? Blotted out, out, sure. Yeah, what does that mean? Killed. Killed. Yeah, yeah. What else? (coughs) Hmm? Well, not necessarily a figure of speech, but yes, they refer to water. Absolutely the case. Uh, So you've got phrases like face of the ground. You know, ground doesn't have a face. So it's a, it's a metaphorical uh, figure of speech. The windows of the heavens. Uh, you know, heaven doesn't have windows. Uh, you know, God doesn't need to let in a breeze you know, or, or anything like that. Uh, the fountains of the great deep. That's certainly another one. So you've got these, these images of what's happening at, at the time. You know, heaven's pouring itself out. The floods of the deep are, are rising up. Uh, what was the source of the water for the flood? Chapter 7, verse 11, to, to cheat. So rain, what else? Fountains of the deep. It's coming from both directions. So God breaks open the surface of the earth. And still to this day, we, we have no idea the waters that are under the surface of the earth. Uh, they are there. We know this. Uh, so that breaks open all the fountains of the deep. Uh, come up, and the, the expanse around the heavens uh, where in creation God separates the waters from the waters, the waters in the heavens collapse in the form of rain onto the earth, so they're, uh, they're in trouble. Yes, ma'am? I was thinking of the fountains of the deep. Yes, yes, absolutely. In fact, there, there are some creationists who believe uh, it, it was the heat of the water coming out of the earth that creates the clouds in the sky, that then adds even to the rain that's coming as it creates now the new weather cycle that we know of today. So, yeah, so it's not just um, rain that's coming down, it hot sulfuric springs coming up from the surface of the earth, which, again, have you ever been to Yellowstone, right? Uh, I don't think you want to be anywhere near Old Faithful when it goes off. Uh, it's scalding hot water that's coming out from there. Uh, you get up into the mountains, into the hot springs and all of that. Um, some of them you can't get into. You will be boiled alive. So we still have these boiling waters coming up from, from underneath the surface of the ground because remember, you know, the center of the earth is hot. It's not uh, cool and calm and refreshing. Um, again, where does lava come from? From there, it's what's coming out 
of the ground. So you've got massive trauma happening to the face of the earth that's transforming the face of the earth as the flood is happening and the year that all of this is now an issue and, and, and flooding away and, and, and dissipating, it takes a long, long, long time. So God has destroyed the earth and everything on it with a flood. So let's start talking about then, we've asked questions about the text. If you remember back to our early lessons, we talked about how to understand the Bible. We observe and then we interpret. So we saw some, some things about the text. Now let's talk about what they mean. So what phrases have we talked about that, that seem to make the irrefutable point that the flood is global? And we talked about repeated words. What do they imply? Yeah, yeah, I would like to think that when the text says it covered all the earth, it means it covered all the earth. Yeah, uh, we don't have to try to reinterpret that phrase. It, every living thing, over and over and over again, it says that. And then it spells it out, the beasts of the field, and all the creeping things. That, we're glad those died. All the creeping things and all that. Um, again, birds in the air, there's nowhere for them to land because everything has been covered uh, in water, so eventually they tire out and they die too because uh, they're going to collapse into the water. So everything in the world has, has perished, has died. Huh? Countries all over the world. Countries everywhere. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that the ancient cultures of the world all have historical record of an ancient flood? All of them. And they'll, yeah, the Epic of Gilgamesh, all, all, even the, you know, the, that's the Babylonian creation epic uh, of how all that happens and what's going on there. And, and many of them will, will, will talk about uh, a, a, a local catastrophic flood, but they all talk about this flood that killed everything. And there's, again, if you have, you know, it depends on who's looking at the rock layers and all of that and their interpretation of it, there's evidence clearly in the fossil formations of a massive flood and a massive extinction event by flood. Crazy, right? I mean, almost like the Bible is true. I mean, I don't want to be crazy about that, but yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, which is the next... It, it, isn't that crazy? So think of the mountains. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To cover the mountains. Um, now, again, most, many of the mountains we'll have today were formed in the flood by the, the plates shifting and all of that, but they are 15 cubits over the top. A cubit is about 18 inches or so. It was the distance from your elbow to your fingertip. So about 20 feet over the top of the mountain peaks, all of them. Yes, sir. They also find sea fossils in the mountains. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, that uh, again, we, we've, we've got sea fossils in the mountains. They don't belong there. We've got um, fossils of animals that are unique only to one continent, and all of a sudden, we find them on, on another continent. What, did they swim? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, they did, in a global flood. 
Yeah. Uh, so they, they are deposited in all this one place. And um, again, it's called the, uh, for fossils, it's called the Cambrian Explosion. Uh, that out, out of nowhere, it seems that, again, as you're walking through these rock layers, that out of nowhere come all of these dead animals in one rock layer across the world. How does that happen? Well, they were all killed in a flood that covered the whole world. That's how. So scientists come up with all of their theories about how this works. Genesis has been telling us for a very long time exactly what happened. So the evidence supports it all. So what happens for a flood if the waters go 20 feet above the tops of the mountains, where does the water go? Everywhere. It goes everywhere. Uh, so the, the skeptics will say the Mesopotamian, Mesopotamian Valley, uh, still called the cradle of civilization, uh, that this is where human life originated on planet Earth, uh, the Fertile Crescent, uh, is, is still, again, what, it, what it's known as this, this valley surrounded by mountains. They'll say, all right, here's, here's what went down. There's a local flood, but everybody lived in that valley. No one lived outside that valley. So to them, it was global. To them, everything, the whole world was flooded. It just filled the valley, killed them all, and then started over with just the eight from Noah. Well, here's of the multiple problems with that. The flood occurs 1,656 years after creation. So considering just under 1,700 years have passed and the long lives of all of these people living for centuries, therefore they've got multiple generations that are expanding and reproducing. Would it make sense historically to believe that no one had moved out of the Mesopotamian Valley? Of course not. Uh, It's this, we're we're rewriting history as we look back and go, oh, there's only a handful of people, really. It's just that universally, they were all wicked. So that's, that's what, globally, they were wicked. Therefore, it's all just in this one place. Nobody lived outside of that. It's simply not true. All that's fabricated. Humanity had spread quite far around the known world by the time of the flood, and the flood kills all of them in uh, all of this. So let's walk through a couple of other scriptures uh, for the next, for our, our final few minutes together, because one of the the chief ways of interpreting Scripture is called the analogia scriptura, the analogy of Scripture. By that meaning, you let Scripture interpret Scripture. How do you understand the Bible? By using the rest of the Bible to help you understand what it means. So if there's a verse that doesn't make sense, you allow other verses to bring clarity. And you see how it all kind of comes together, that it all lines up. So let's look at a couple of uh, verses that are going to help us. So 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. We've already looked at this verse last couple of weeks, and we'll continue to do so. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, 
speaking of God, did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. So does that verse support or deny our conclusion that the flood was global? It supports it. Right, so now we've got other verses that are telling us the Genesis account is true. Again, there are those who will say, oh, no, 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 it's just universal because universally everyone was a sinner and, and all of that. Again, simply not, not the case. Turn over to Luke 17. Jesus is speaking in Luke 17, speaking of the, uh, the cataclysmic nature of his return, of the second coming, uh, which you know, we just read 2 Peter 2, 2 Peter 3 speaks of uh, that as well. Here's part of what he says, starting in verse 26. And just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went, in, uh, went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. So does that passage, the words of Jesus, does that support or deny our conclusion from Genesis? It supports it. Jesus himself, the world was destroyed in a flood, took out all of them. So that's what we're doing when we're going to other verses. It's called cross-referencing, uh, that you're, you're taking these other references and you're bringing them together to build a case biblically for something that's happened. Uh, again, it, the, the principle of analogy of Scripture, the, the, the analogy of Scripture, that here's, here's something that happened. Well, what does the rest of the Bible say about this event? So we have the Genesis account that, again, we have to continue to talk about these things because sometimes, you know, you might feel, like, dude, you're preaching to the choir here. You know, we're, we're church people. We're Bible people. When it says the, it was a global flood, we believe it was a global flood. Well, not all Christians believe that. Some, again, they're going to interpret Genesis 1 through 11 poetically, that it's just, you know, song lyrics glorified. Uh, therefore, it's not real. Uh, this is just, you know, a metaphorical way of saying what happened. So we have to continue to come back uh, to, to say, no, 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 this is history. This is real. Look at the details. Look at how this is, is laid out. One of the primary ways we do that is to fast forward to the New Testament, and as they look back, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing eternal truth in the Bible, as they look back on the flood, what did they think about the flood? What did Jesus think about the flood? What does Peter say about the flood? They don't look back and go, oh, yeah, that, you know, Genesis 1-11, that's a great song, and uh, we should sing it all together, and it was all just metaphorical and, uh, you know, universal because they were terrible, but it was really just a local flood that we dealt with here, but they simply affirm, yeah, that, that happened. That was real. That's history. Uh, so that's how we, again, build this case to know this is what went down. So I hope you, you can see the text, which is our authority, leaves no room for us to consider that the flood was anything except for 
a global event as God brings his judgment on the earth for the, the corruption, the sinfulness of mankind, that which he will do again. Uh, as, as we trust him that his word is true, as he will, at the second coming of Christ, he will bring judgment on the earth, and our only hope is to go through the door, the door who is Jesus Christ alone, because in him and in him alone our salvation from that judgment. So you've got some homework as you continue to wrestle with these ideas and what's going on in Genesis 9, and, and, and a, there's a lot of information in there about the global nature of the flood. I hope that is of benefit to you, and we'll pick it up back here next Sunday. One, two, three, go team.